now we're going to bring it home a little bit. We're going to get a quick report from evangelist Joe Franklin, and then he's going to preach our Father's Day message to us. Can we give it up for evangelist Joe? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's an honor to be here this morning. I want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Thank you. Thank you. What an honor it is to preach. Thank you, Pastor Ricky. It's an honor to be back. Uh, I've been at boot, Evangelist Boot Camp for the last six months. I've just graduated, and so you might notice the ring. No, I did not get married. No, I did not get engaged. It is a harvest ring that was around the neck of Steve Hill, actually, uh, from the Brownsville Revival. He had one of these rings custom-made in Argentina uh, after he planted eight churches there, and those eight churches have grown and multiplied to hundreds of churches and thousands of people being reached in Argentina. And he had it handmade because he believed that the harvest of souls is plentiful, and he wanted to be reminded of it daily. The guy that I am under, Daniel Kalinda, he saw it and he said, wow, the harvest of souls. He said, I want one of those. He's preached the gospel to over 22 million people in the last 10 years and has seen or has seen 22 million salvations that's recorded, handed in uh, cards, paper cards with paper and pen. Yes, they'll still exist. Come on, hand it in to a local pastor. And then within that month, that pastor has a month to, to call that person, to follow up with that person. And if they don't, we come, we take the card off his desk and we give it to a pastor that's going to follow up and it's going to do it. Within three months of those cards being handed to those pastors and followed up, they see almost triple come their church in their church growth. They're going to do a, uh, we're doing a crusade. Christ for All Nations is doing a crusade in January in, Bur- in Ivory Coast, the Cote d'Ivoire. And they're going to see thousands of people come to know Jesus. They're still doing the work today. And so I get to be a part of all of that. So it's amazing what God is doing. It's amazing the call of God that I'm being invited into. And so it's such an honor to be back and to preach the gospel to you today to remind you of the things that you already know. I'm here to encourage you and to remind you of these things that you already know. I want to open up with a story, and then we'll read the Bible. Does that sound all right? Cool. There was this young farm boy who had a cart full of corn and was going to the market. And on his way, he hit a big bump, and the cart tipped over. Oh, no. His neighbor ran out and said, are you okay? Are you okay? He said, yes, yes, I'm fine. I'm fine. We'll be okay. And the neighbor said, come, come and eat. Come and eat with me. Come and have lunch with me. You'll feel much better after you have lunch. And the farm boy said, oh, I don't know if my dad will like that very much. He won't be very happy if I do. And the neighbor said, come, surely he'll be okay. Come eat with us. And the farm boy said, oh, okay, okay. But my dad's not going to be very happy. And so the farm boy went with the neighbor and they had a nice lunch. And the farm boy said, ah, oh, I feel much better now. He said, but I better get going. My dad's not going to be happy at all. He's going to be very upset. And the neighbor said, oh, don't be foolish. By the way, where is your dad? And the farm boy said, under the cart. <laughs> there would be no fathers unless there were sons, right? And there was, unless there were sons and daughters, there would be no fathers. So... We're going to remind you of that today. I want to talk to you today about the Father's heart. That without any children, there is no fathers. And I want to remind you too, God doesn't have any co-workers. God doesn't have any adults that are beside him. God only has children. 
And that's why he's the greatest father in the world, because he's fathered the most children. God only has children. God only uses children, right? You have to come to him as a child. No co-workers. If you have your Bible, open it up this morning to Revelation chapter 22 and verse 16. But before I read that, I want to read you Matthew eleven twenty seven. It says this. It says, you have entrusted me with all that you have. No one fully and intimately knows the Son except the Father. And no one fully and intimately knows the Father except the Son. But the Son is able to unveil the Father to anyone he chooses. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much that you came. You lived a sinless life. You died on the cross for us. You were buried and you rose again on the third day so that we could have life and we could have it to the full. Thank you, Jesus, for revealing the Father to us. Lord, I thank you for drawing us. Holy Spirit, draw us deeper into deeper intimacy with you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Revelations 22, starting in verse 16, it says this. It says, I, Jesus, sent my angel to you to give you this testimony, to share with the congregation. I'm the bright and morning star, both David's spiritual root and his descendant. Come, says the Holy Spirit and the, and the bride in the divine duet. Let everyone who hears this duet join in them saying, come. Let everyone gripped with spiritual thirst say, come. And let the one who craves the gifts of living water come and drink it freely. It is my gift to you. Come. I testify to everyone who hears the prophetic word of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone subtracts from the prophetic words of this book, God will remove his portion from the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. The one who testifies to these things says, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the holy believers. Amen. I'll never forget when I was five years old and I got up to preach my first sermon at Pastor Charles Farina's church in Bozeman, uh, Montana. And I got up and I said, people get ready. Jesus is coming. People get ready. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming back soon. I'm here to tell you the same thing that I preached 20 years ago today. Jesus is coming back very, very soon soon. Jesus is coming back very soon. And I'm here to remind you today what you already know. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, yet fully God himself came into the world. He, the Bible says in Ephesians that he descended into the earth to the lower region. He came as a child, was born of the Virgin Mary, and then lived a perfect and sinless life. He died on the cross for you and for me. And then he was buried and then he rose again three days later so that we could know the Father, so that we could have a relationship with God. And he's coming back very, very soon. How many of you know that if Jesus said, behold, I'm coming soon right here in Revelation 22, we just read it. Come soon. Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha is the, what it is in the Greek belief. Come, Lord Jesus. He's coming back. He said, behold, I'm coming soon. And if he said, in, it's believed that this was written in around A.D. 75 or A.D. 125, even if it was written, let's just say it was written in A.D. 125, over 2,000 years ago, 
the disciples, the apostles, the, those that wrote the Bible, those that were in the early church said, he's coming back soon. And Jesus said, I'm coming back soon. If it was soon then, then how many of you know that it's, we're in the last hour? If they were in the last days back then, we're in the last hour of the last minute, of the last second of the last days. And time is running short and time is running out. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God's calling us, that he's drawing our hearts to his. I'm here to tell you today that the Father's heart, to talk about the Father's heart, that the Father's heart is that you would receive Jesus. John 3.16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him, right, will not perish but have everlasting life. We all know that verse, but how many times do we let it sink into our heart about the heart of a father? On this Father's Day, I want to challenge you. Do you believe that God is who he says he is? Do you believe that he's the father that he says that he is? Do you believe that he's so good? Do you recognize the goodness of the Lord and how much he really loves you, how much he did for you, for me? And when we recognize that, are we living out of that? Are we living out of that overflow, out of that abundance of our hearts that we're so loved? We're so accepted. We're so delight. We're a delight to God. We're accepted in the beloved. We have everything that we need in Jesus. We say that, but do we really believe it? Do we believe the gospel that it's true, that Jesus is all in all, that he's everything? Do we believe John 15, 5 that says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Do we truly believe that in our heart of hearts? Do we live out of that? Or is it just words on a page? I want to challenge you today that the Father's heart is that you would receive Jesus. That you would believe it down in your knower, that you, in your heart of hearts, that you would walk out of that, that you would believe that Jesus is so, so good and that he loves you so, so much that apart from him, you can do nothing because he's holy good. He's holy everything. He's all in all. Colossians chapter 3 Starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we yearn, why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ is enthroned, at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Yes, feast on the treasure of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heaven's realities, not with the distractions of the natural realm. Your crucifixion with Christ has served the tie to this life has severed the tie to this life. You died. Your life is hidden in God, in Christ. Right? It's no longer you who lived, but Christ who lives in you. I love the way the Passion says this. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life, and now your true life is hidden away in God, in Christ. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, you who are really are will be also revealed. Who you really are will also be revealed. So we saw Christ for who he really was when he got up on the tree, right? When he died on the cross for you and for me, and then he rose from the grave. We saw who he really was, that he's the son of the living God, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And when we recognize who he really is, then we can know who we are, and we can go from there and run the race set before us to win the prize, right? Thank you, Jesus. Live as one who died to every form 
of sin and impurity. Live as one who died to disease and desires for forbidden things, including the desire for wealth, which is the essence of idol worship. That's Colossians 1, or 3, 1 through 5. We have to learn to live as people that are dead to the things of this world. We say it, but do we really believe it? The Father's heart is that you would receive Jesus in his fullness. This is the gospel, that there's a man on a throne in heaven seated at the right hand of the Father, and he invites us up to be seated there with him. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. 1 John 2 and 16 says, For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. Romans 8 and 15 says, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. We're adopted as sons Daughters of God, fully loved, fully adorned by Him, fully known by Him. I'll never forget hearing the story of, uh, of a young boy that had a slingshot. And how many of you guys know that young boys with the slingshots, they love, whenever you get a slingshot, you get a BB gun. Today, it's probably more like a BB gun, right? A young boy gets a BB gun. He just wants to take it out and shoot it every single day. I don't know about you guys, but we have, uh, we have bunnies in our backyard. And oh, my goodness, every time we see one, we want to go grab the BB gun and try to get it, right? Or if we had a slingshot, we'd try to sling that, sling that bunny and just whack it. I had a friend in the boot camp who lived with me for a little bit, and he said, that he got so good with a slingshot, he could hit a squirrel up in a tree 15 feet away, just dead on the head every time. He said he was so good. But one day, he was out there slinging a slingshot, and he got it really close to the house. There was this bunny that was getting a little too close to the house and almost broke a window. And his dad said, don't you shoot towards the house. And they had a chicken coop. They lived on a little farm, and they had this little chicken coop. And he said, don't you kill or shoot one of my chickens. We need those eggs, and we're not ready to to kill the chickens. If you kill one of these chickens, you're going to be in so much trouble. And so he's out there shooting his slingshot and slinging it around, and and he's hitting all these things. He's trying to hit this tree and hit the bullseye on these targets, and he's like, I bet I can. One of the chickens, he sees one of those chickens balking around, moving around. He's like, I bet I can get it. I don't know if you've ever seen a little kid with a chicken, but, man, it's funny. We went to visit my brother and his wife in Waxahachie, and they have some chickens, and Sophie decided to run around and try to catch the chicken, you know. No, she couldn't even get close. But maybe with the slingshot, this young guy thought he could sling that chicken. So he sees it moving around, and he lines it up, and he gets it. Boom. He pops it, and the chicken goes, and dies. Kills the chicken right there. He's like, ah, I've killed the chicken. What do I do? What do I do? And he takes the chicken. He goes, grabs a shovel quick, and he digs a hole, puts the chicken in, buries it, covers it, and he takes some old grass and tries to cover it up. Cover it up really good, and he's nervous. He's, <laughs> guess who saw? His older brother. Oh, no. His older brother saw him kill the chicken, and he's like, I am going to tell dad unless you do all my jobs. 
And so the young boy, he's like, oh, I've got, what can I do? What can I do? I'm not going to tell dad. I'm going to keep it covered up. Okay. Okay, fine. I'll do it. And so he goes and for a week, he does all his older brother's jobs. And he's like really working hard. He's staying up late. He's getting up early to make sure it all gets done without his parents noticing, you know, that he's doing the jobs instead of his brother. And, you know, he's like, he starts to get a little weary after a week. And he's like, I don't know if I can keep up with this. And his older brother says, you better. Otherwise, I'm going to tell dad. He's like, oh, no, I'll be in lots of trouble then. Okay, okay. So he does it for another week. And then he goes, wait a second. What if I just told my dad myself? What if I do that? And then maybe he won't be so mad. And so he goes to his dad. He goes to the office of his dad, and he knocks on the door. He says, Dad, I have something to tell you. He says, you know how we've been missing that chicken? Betty Crocker, the chicken, well, it was me. I killed it. And the dad looks across the table at his son, and he says, Son, two weeks ago when you killed that chicken, I saw you kill it from out my window right there. He said, You've known the whole time? He said, I've known the entire time. And he says, And you let me do my brother's jobs? He says, I was waiting for you to come and to confess and to tell me. And then you could be free from it the whole time. The father knew the whole time that his son had killed the chicken. But he waited for him to come and to say, here I am. Here's what I did. Forgive me. And you know what? We're just like that young boy. When we come, we confess our sins to God. He's faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness and to cleanse us and to wash us and make us new. And then we can't be, nobody can hold that guilt. Shame and guilt can't hold us back any longer. They can't make us do the things that we don't want to do. We're free. Amen? The Father's heart is that you would receive Jesus. If you're taking notes today, the second point is this. The first is the Father's heart is that you would receive Jesus. The second point is this. The Father's heart is that you would receive the Holy Spirit. Galatians 4 and chapter 6 says, Because you are his sons, God sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Luke 11 and 13 says this. It says, Let me ask you this. Do you know of any father who would give his son a snake on a plate when he asked for a serving of fish? Of course not. Of course not. Do you know of any father who would give his daughter a spider when she asked for an egg? No, of course not. If imperfect parents know how to give loving and wonderful gifts and take good care of their children and give them what they need, how much more will your perfect heavenly father give what the Holy Spirit, the give, not give the Holy Spirit's fullness when his children ask of him? The heart of the Father is that you would have more of Him, right? That you would recognize that you're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That you receive Jesus. And when you receive Jesus, it opens up and it cleans out your heart to receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and fills you and points you back to Jesus every single time. The Holy Spirit wants to fill your life. He wants to fill your heart. Will you yield to Him more today? 
I don't know about you guys, but driving in different states is kind of fun, right? You drive in, you drive into a new state, and you're trying to figure out the roads and where the road is going where, and why in the world did they build this road like this? I don't know about you, but I feel like Texas has the best roads in the whole world, okay? In the whole state, Texas is the best. Been to many states, and some of these are just confusing, I don't know if you've ever been to Orlando, Florida, but all the signs, it's crazy, and you'll be in the right lane, and then all of a sudden it's a turn lane, and you're like, ah! People there use their horns like it's just wild. But the one thing that doesn't change is yielding, right? Anytime you're driving on the road and you see the yield sign, most people don't know what it means. They think it means stop. Nope. Doesn't mean stop. It means that you slow down, and then you get in. You find your pocket, and you get into it, right? That's what yielding is. Yielding on the road, you wait for it, you're going to yield onto the highway, you look for your pocket, and you go. You know, sometimes you have to come to a complete stop, sure. But most of the time, you're just, and you fit right in there, and you keep going. Yielding to the Holy Spirit is so much, is much the same. That there's a river, the river of God is flowing, right? The Bible says that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So if it's a river, it's flowing, it's going somewhere, right? Then what we need to do is we need to yield and we need to get on track with where he's going. And we need to jump in the river. The Father's heart is that you would receive the Holy Spirit. We've been uh, in the mornings, every Tuesday and Wednesday morning of the boot camp, we would have uh, this guy named Eric Gilmore come in. Evangelist Gilmore, he's an amazing guy. He's awesome. He's got some great YouTube videos out there. You can go check them out. Um, I might even be in a couple of them, so it'd be cool. So go check out Eric Gilmore on YouTube. But anyway, he talks to us about that every morning. He says the same thing. He says, I'm here to remind you of the things you already know, that Christ loves you so. And all you have to do is yield to the Holy Spirit in that. What does that look like practically? I don't know if you've, if you've thought about this in a while or if somebody's asked you this, but what does your morning devotional time look like? There's many, many... Or, or your evening devotional time, or your afternoon devotional time. What does it look like? What do you do? Have you been doing the same thing? Do you encounter the Lord when you're there? Do you feel God's presence when you're in that devotion time? Or are you looking for something maybe new to do in that? I want to encourage you to practice silence in that. That many times, right, to throw the phone away, to throw the phone somewhere, to get rid of distraction, and even if it's just for one minute, to sit and just say, Jesus, I love you. And then to let him love you back. If you do that every day, you've hit the bullseye. You've hit the bullseye every day with God. If you just say, Holy Spirit, I yield to you. I want to know you more. And then wait. Give it some silence. Let his presence come. And fill your life through and through. So many of us, I think, we, we know the two, the two spiritual disciplines of reading the Bible and praying, right? We're good at that. We got that down. But when it comes to the other ones like journaling or meditation or silence or solitude or uh, Sabbath or any of those, it's, it's kind of harder. Be honest. It's a little bit harder. And we forget about those ones. We forget about study. We forget about, you know, the repetition of if you read the same Bible passage again and again, you let it wash over you and you go, okay, God, what are you saying in that? We forget to do that. We forget to just sit in silence and to let God speak to us and open our hearts and say, Holy Spirit, I yield to you my heart. Speak to me. It's amazing what will happen. It's so, so amazing. We do it every Tuesday and Wednesday 
for two hours in the morning. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit would always come every time. Every time. Sometimes we'd open up and he'd just sing a little song, sing a little, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. The presence would just come. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on, just close your eyes all over the room. Put your hands and just let his presence fill your life. Just say, I love you, Jesus. Lord, we yield to you every day. God, teach us, teach us to yield to the Holy Spirit. Teach us to have a relationship with you every day. In Jesus' name. Trust and I pray that you felt his presence there just come. Come on you and fill you. Ephesians 2, 6 through 10 says this. It says, but God still loved us with such great love. He's so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realms. For we are now co-seated with Christ. Throughout the coming ages, we will be, uh, be the visible display of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness, which he showered upon us in Christ Jesus, right? So we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation. For it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will be ever able to boast, for salvation is never a reward for good works or for human striving. We have come to, come to his poetry. We have become his poetry, a recreated people that will be full, fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. Or some, the, I like the classic, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Wow. God has such amazing, wonderful things planned out for us. And how heartbreaking it would be if we never sat and listened to his voice. It's so important. It's so important to, to, to spend time with the Lord, to spend time with Jesus and to let his voice speak to you. It's so important to spend time in the word, to spend time in prayer, but to spend time in silence listening for his voice, waiting upon the Lord. There's this guy named Brian Guerin, and he says that he goes and he, he waits on the Lord. He's got the most comfortable chair in his house is in his closet where he spends time with God. 
And he spends about three hours every morning. He says that the first time that he, three hours, he spent three hours just being silent before God and just said, Jesus, I love you. And then his mind would start to wander and he'd just bring back, Jesus, I love you. His mind wanders, it goes off. Jesus, I love you, right? Because sometimes the mind can do that. When you start getting in silence, you'll recognize, you'll realize that, you know, it's like you're on the road. And if the road is Jesus, I love you, there's two ditches on both sides that are just huge and massive. And that's all the things you have to do tomorrow, all the things you have to do today. And, you know, all these distractions that want to get you. But you got to just keep your focus. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I worship you. And he said for the first two hours, he didn't feel anything. But then in that third hour came... The glory of the Lord just filled his whole closet, his whole room where he was at. And he said, it's just absolutely amazing. Maybe you can't give three hours. Maybe you can't give an hour. Start with 15 minutes. Just say, Jesus, here I am for 15 minutes. I'm just going to be before you and sit with you in silence. Sit at your feet and learn. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We must learn to be a child of the king. Fully in him, fully set apart. Do you believe this today? That the greatest father in the universe sent his son to die for you and for me so we could know him. So we could have life and have it to the full. That's the gospel. It's so simple sometimes, but it's so easy to forget it. That on this Father's Day, to be the greatest father, right, he gave. I want to say thank you to all the fathers that have given so much that have given their time, that have given up their families, that have given up these different things, that have given up, you know, finances to provide for their children, to help their children have an incredible life, for being present with their children. I don't know if you realize this or not, but just by having a father present in the home, it brings the, the rate of going to prison down, like time divided by three. Like it's, if the father is not present in the home, it's like three times more likely to go to jail three times more likely to go to juvie. The stats are crazy. If you just Google some fatherless stats, it's crazy how much a father is just so needed in the home. A father's presence needed in the home. You're so loved by the father. They took these elephants and uh, in Africa, and they were going extinct, and they um, took some of these young elephants, and they moved them to another place away from the older elephants. And these young male elephants that they moved away to uh, about 100 miles away from their tribe began to be really destructive and really just crazy and do some wild damage and just um, stampede and plow over things. And so they said, I wonder what in the world is going on with these young male elephants, why they're so reckless and crazy. And so what they did was they took two of the older male elephants and they brought them in and they introduced them back into this group of young male elephants. And when they did that, all the destruction stopped. All the stampede stopped. All the craziness stopped because these older male elephants taught these young male elephants how to live and how to do it. So I want to encourage you today, right? The humans are not that much different than the elephants in that aspect. Without a father, they go crazy. And maybe you say you're in this room and your kids have grown up all the way, right? You don't have any kids in the house uh, or whatever. I want to encourage you, maybe look for somebody. Find somebody that doesn't have a father. Find somebody you can mentor, you can pour into that 
needs a father that needs a strong male figure in their life. And pour into them. Love them. The teens, the teens in the church, wherever, find somebody. Maybe you'll meet somebody at a coffee shop or something. Pour into them. Love them. Be there for them. It'll change their life. I promise. A couple weeks ago, I was uh, ministering, as I close here, I was ministering to my friend and found out, you know, just we're just spending time with the Lord together. And this couple, this family, and it was just wild. I asked him, how do you view, how do you view God as Father? Have you ever thought about that? How do you view God as Father? And maybe you view God the Father a little bit differently, a little skewed because of your Father here on earth. I want to challenge you today that God is a good Father who loves you, who will always be there for you, who is always waiting for you to come and just speak to Him. He'll always provide. He'll always be present with you. No matter where you go, Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And if Jesus is pointing us and revealing the Father to us, then we can take it that promise to the bank that God the Father will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He'll always be present with us. I want to challenge you to challenge the way that you see God as Father. See God as a good Father that He is. And let Him love you this morning. The Father's heart is that you would receive Jesus and that you would receive the Holy Spirit and that you would walk in the Spirit today. Today, if you're in this place and you'd say, man, I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never surrendered all that I am to Jesus. I've never received Jesus in my life. I want to give you the opportunity and the chance to do that today. Maybe you're in this place and you say, man, I've never received the Holy Spirit. I've never felt the presence of the Holy Spirit fill my life. I've never, you know, uh, spoken in tongues. I've never done any of that. I want that today. Then we're going to pray for you as well. And maybe you're in a third category. Maybe you say, man, I just need God to heal the way that I see him as father. Maybe I need God to come in and just love me just for a minute. Then we're going to pray for you as well. Here's how we're going to do this social distancing uh, altar call here is in a moment I'm going to pray and then I'm going to count to three and the power of God is here and it's going to increase and when I get to three if you want to give your life to Jesus today I want you to stand up and then when I get to three if, if you want us to pray you would encounter the love of the Father then I want you to put both hands just up right here both hands up all right and then if you want more of the Holy Spirit, or you want the Holy Spirit to fill you for the first time, I want you to stand up and raise both hands in the air. All right? So let's bow our heads. Let's pray. And we're just going to pray and ask the Lord just to fill us and receive the Father's heart this morning. Jesus, I love you. Thank you so much for your presence. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for your kindness. Lord, I pray that today, Lord, that we would yield to, to you. Lord, we would yield to, to what you want to do in us and through us. Lord, I pray today that we would believe the gospel, Lord. That we would believe your goodness, God, that you loved us so, so much. Lord, that it would change us. It would transform us from the inside out, God, and make us new. Lord, we thank you. We praise you for all that you're doing in and through our hearts in and through our lives. In Jesus' name. One, you need Jesus. I want you to stand. Two, 
You want to encounter the love of God, just put those hands in the air. Three, you want more of the Holy Spirit, stand on the count of three. One, two, three. Anybody, anybody. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you, Jesus. More, Lord. More, Lord. Jesus, we love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Honor you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Well, Lord, we just pray right now, God, that you'd encounter our hearts. Lord, we just put our hearts before you, Lord, and we just say thank you, Lord. We yield to you, Lord. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, that you love us so, God. Worship you, Jesus. Honor you, Jesus. Holy are you, Lord. Worthy are you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness, God. It's running after us. I was at a service last week, and the, the pastor had a, a dream eight years ago, and the Lord just released him to, to begin releasing this dream. And I want to release it to you guys today, um, especially because my friend Pastor Simon is here. And when I heard this dream, this vision, I thought of you, Pastor Simon. I thought of you in your voice. He said this. He said that there's a generation of first, there's a generation of first generation African Americans that are coming over from Africa, and they're moving here, and that their voice is powerful, and that your voice is going to bring just a resurrection to the church in America, and it's going to bring a revival and a harvest in America like we've never seen before. And that we're going to see a generation of African-American, first-generation African-American voices raised up. They're going to shake the nation. 
So just bless you for that, Pastor Simon, to use your voice. Keep singing for the Lord. When you sing, the presence of God fills the room. When you play, the presence of God fills the room. So keep going. Keep using your voice. Keep proclaiming the gospel. So we bless you for that in Jesus' name. To bring the harvest and to shake the nation. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Love you, my friends.